Today is October 7th, 2020. We have Donald Trump moving back into the White House and shedding his mask to tell the American people not to fear coronavirus. Joe Biden talks about abortion. And Jerome Powell, chief of the Federal Reserve, pressures Congress to move forward on stimulus. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great show for you today. This has been a crazy news week already, and we're only halfway through the week, which means it's going to be a great time here on the Split the Difference podcast. Uh, I am Austin Taylor here coming at you on Wednesday morning, uh, bringing you all the good, juicy stuff that you are longing to hear. We got good stuff. We got bad stuff. We've got the left. We've got the right. And as you guys know, we are going to do our best to look at both sides of the aisle, try to come together and find that good truth that is right there in the middle. We're going to do our best to keep a level head. We're going to do our best to be reasonable. And we're going to do our best to just split the difference. I I think I can say with all certainty, this is the best show that we've done so far. And listen, I know that's tough to say because the last couple have been great. But this one, this one I think is one you're going to want to stick around for. So... Let's go ahead and just hop right into it. Well, actually, before we do, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to go ahead and just apologize for the bright pink shirt that I'm wearing right now, showing up fantastic in the camera and with the lights that we've got on right now. So uh, go ahead and uh, just before you start clicking on the YouTube video or before you start watching for long, you may want to put on a pair of sunglasses in order to be able to shield your eyes from the amount of uh, lights reflecting off my pink shirt right now. Anyways, if we want to go ahead and hop into the first story. So, story number one, Trump went back to the White House uh, to live in the White House, and uh, he was dismissed from Walter Reed Medical Hospital uh, Medical Center. And uh, as soon as he gets back, he causes controversy. I mean, the man has not even (laughs) entered back into the White House, and he is causing controversy. So... Um, we're going to go ahead and hop in and take a look at Trump, this, uh, this video, Trump walking into the white house right here. So go ahead and take a look. So he's walking on up. He's got, you know, standing in the front of the stair or at the the top of the stairs. He's standing right in front of the guardrail. Boom. Takes the mask off. First thing he does. So he left, he left right before this, he left the helicopter Walks, do, does this grand walk all the way, just slow walk. He stops a couple times, picks up his hand, waves around a little bit. Hello? Hello? Coming back to the White House, does the long walk up the stairs, gets up to the top porch. <laughs> First thing that he does, diagnosed with coronavirus, is take his mask off. Just incredible. So it's. It's it's unbelievable because you can you know you can see that I think that maybe in Trump's mind this was like his big choreographed moment like I think he thought that this was going to be like the big moment at the end of his presidency this was him emerging from the shadows of the hospital just crawling out of the depth getting on up and he's coming back to the white house to assume his role as the president of the united states leading his country well and he just whoo, 
takes that mask right off in a show of defiance and a show of strength. He just takes that mask right off. Like, I feel like he thought that this was his Reagan, like tear down this wall type moment, you know, like he was standing up in front of the country and in front of the world. And he was going to show everybody that he was stronger than ever. So he had all the cameras there. Everybody was waiting for him. And this was Trump's big, big moment here. On a totally separate and absolutely hilarious note, the Babylon Bee posted an article. And the Babylon Bee is basically, if you don't know what it is, it's a satirical news site where they just post a whole bunch of satire making fun of politics. And uh, they specifically make fun of, you know, kind of joke around about, you know, Christian stereotypes and stuff like that. Hint, the Babylon Bee. But uh, anyways... They posted a an article titled Donald the Orange Returns Triumphantly as Donald the White. <laughs> and it had Donald Trump's face crudely photoshopped over Gandalf from Lord of the Ring, who if he's a huge, huge popular character in Lord of the Rings. If you've never watched Lord of the Rings, you obviously are not going to get this reference at all. And you also should watch Lord of the Rings because it's an incredible you know, fantasy classic, but it's hilarious if you know who Gandalf is and the story in the Lord of the Rings. And basically Gandalf kind of has this like little bit of a redemption arc to a degree. And he comes back instead of Gandalf the gray, he comes back as Gandalf the white and he's, you know, dressed in all white and he's, you know, glowing and radiating and all this stuff. Well, that's just hilarious. Donald the orange returns as Donald the white. (laughs) Anyways, Per usual, this story was immediately broken out into two completely different takes, one on the left side of the aisle and one on the right. So we're going to take a look at both. So from the right side of the aisle, this honestly is kind of lauded as, although incredibly stupid, it is something that, you know, it's a show of strength. A lot of people on the right side of the aisle are saying that Trump is showing his strength. He's showing his unity with the American people. Uh, that he's working and fighting this virus, uh, that he is a living example of why this virus isn't nearly as big of a deal as the left is always pushing. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be opening up the country when our 74-year-old overweight president was able to bounce back from this within a couple of days and be back in the White House working and doing you know, exactly what it is that he's supposed to do. Um, side note a little bit. There are a whole lot of people right now that are acting like Trump as some kind of superhuman for beating this virus or quote unquote beating the virus, right? Like I I knew that there were a lot of people, especially on the, you know, the far right side of the aisle that um, almost deify Trump in a lot of ways, but this is kind of taking it to whole new levels. Like Donald Trump is not superhuman. He had literally the best medical care in the entire world right at his fingertips, making sure that he's okay. He has an incredible amount of steroids and medicines in him. Like, thank the Lord that Trump did make through this, make it through this fine, right? But Trump is not some sort of superhuman person just because he made it through uh, about with the coronavirus. So Anyways, uh, Trump, when he got up to the top of the steps in that previous video that we looked at, he turned around and he gave a little bit of an address to the nation. So we're going to go ahead and hop in and take a look at that video now. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And one thing that's for certain, 
Don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. We have the best medical equipment. We have the best medicines, all developed recently. And you're going to beat it. I went, I didn't feel so good. And two days ago, I could have left two days ago. Two days ago, I felt great, like better than I have in a long time. I said just recently, better than 20 years ago. Don't let it dominate. Don't let it take over your lives. Don't let that happen. We have the greatest country in the world. We're going back. We're going back to work. We're going to be out front. As your leader, I had to do that. I knew there's danger to it, but I had to do it. I stood out front. I led. Nobody that's a leader would not do what I did. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. But don't let it dominate your lives. Get out there. Be careful. We have the best medicines in the world, and it all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily. Thank you very much. And Walter Reed, what a group of people. Thank you very much. All right. So uh, basically what Trump is saying in this video is he's, he's trying he's telling the American people that they don't have anything to fear, that uh, the coronavirus is not something that they need to be hiding away in their houses from. He's, you know, kind of in a lot of ways flexing his muscles a little bit like, hey, listen, look at me. I did it. I made it through all this and I, you know, I'm doing just fine. I'm going to be back. My main goal is helping the American people. And that's why I wanted to get back to the white house because I wanted to be back at my job, back at my post, helping the American people. There's a lot of people on the right side of the aisle that really love and appreciate this message that Donald Trump is sending out. Makes him look strong. They're saying it makes us look strong on the world stage to have a strong leader. Not Totally sure how the physical strength or I guess the the strength of our president's immune system makes us look strong on the world stage. But that is, I guess, a point of view on the right, nonetheless. On the left side of the aisle, pretty much everybody is looking at it and they're saying, okay, good for Trump. He's not dying from this, but he needs to be a better example for the American people. How could he still be downplaying the effects of the virus when over 210,000 people have died from this? Plus, they're looking at this and they're saying, as of now, they are able to confirm that since uh, Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court, which was held at the White House Rose Garden about a week or so ago, a week and a half ago, as of now, 11 people that attended that ceremony have been diagnosed with COVID. There's also been a couple questions about whether Donald Trump knew that he had COVID and decided to go to fundraisers or decided to go and visit a couple different places even after knowing that he had COVID. Uh, this, you know, the left is looking at this and they're basically like, this is not the type of example that we want our president setting, not only for our country, but for the world as well. It's making us look bad. Uh, the New York Times did an article about the 11 people that uh, were diagnosed with COVID at being in the Rose Garden that day for Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court. And uh, they have a picture basically highlighting every single person that ended up getting COVID. And it's actually a pretty interesting article and it's a pretty cool photo. So uh, go ahead and take a look if you can. Just look up that New York Times article. Uh, it's It's pretty interesting to take a look at that photo. But uh, this kind of all gets into an underlying message that the left has. And a lot of that is that 
we need a president that exemplifies how we should act as Americans. Okay. Now you can agree or you can disagree with that. It's absolutely a sentiment that I think a large portion of the country has had historically. So historically, we have looked to our leaders and we have looked to the president and the people that are in charge of our country to not necessarily be the moral guidance of our country, but to at least uphold values that we believe to be good and that we believe to be true as Americans. We normally have looked to our president as someone who is you know, maybe the best among us, quote unquote, like somebody that is going to lead our country by example, not just lead the country by what they say. And this is, this is an effective argument. Okay. I think this is an argument that, and in a lot of ways is kind of what is pushing Joe Biden up in the polls right now. The most recent polls done by Wall Street Journal and NCB or in, uh, NBC News showed uh, Biden up 13 and 14 points ahead on Trump right now. And a lot of this, I think, comes from the argument of Trump is a lot of do as I say, not as I do. Whereas they're saying the left is lauding Biden as someone that uh, he not only says that you can do what he says, but he also wants you to do as he does as well. Uh, that doesn't mean that Joe Biden is without fault, but I think a lot of people on the left are pointing at Donald Trump right now, and they're like, he's been downplaying the virus forever. There's over 200,000 people that have died. Now Trump has the coronavirus, and he's coming back to the White House, deliberately removing his mask when he's in contact with people around him, when he knows he has coronavirus, and he's still telling the American people that it's not nearly as big of a deal as it is. Um, Donald Trump... Uh, I don't necessarily think that Donald Trump is purposefully going out of his way, obviously, to make it so that the coronavirus continues to spread. Donald Trump wants for the coronavirus to stop spreading, and he's tried to put policies in place in order to make sure that that happens, that the coronavirus stops. But his actions don't oftentimes reflect the fact that he wants the coronavirus to stop. So... Um, where's the middle, right? Where, where the both sides, both sides have some truth, right? So if we're looking at the left and we're looking at the right, both sides have arguments that are honestly not bad. Like both of them are saying stuff that has some truth to it. We as a country can both take the coronavirus seriously and use measures to slow it down at the same time without shutting our economy down completely, right? Our economy does not need to be shut down all the way again in order for us to go through and use the measures that we need in order to slow it down and in order to build up more of a herd immunity. This has been talked about over and over again. Um, where, you know, social distancing from people, wearing face masks, free, frequently washing your hands. These are all things that people can and should be doing. Now, when the left says that Trump is not displaying these actions as an example for the American people, they are absolutely correct, Right. Absolutely correct. Donald Trump, by blatantly taking off his mask, standing up, getting back from the hospital after being diagnosed with coronavirus, is a prime example of Trump being rebellious just because he can be rebellious, right? Um, while at the same time, the right is correct as well. We don't need a president that never leaves his office, that uh, does everything just sitting behind a desk and never communicates with the American people, um, never goes outside of the overall Oval Office in order to get anything done. Uh, we need a we need a president right now that is going to do their best to be able to support the economy because the economy is not doing great. Something that we'll talk about actually in our third story towards the end. So there is truth on both sides of this right now. 
what we need to be doing is continuing to call out uh, hypocrisy when we see it, continuing to push for uh, people to just have common sense, use common sense. It doesn't seem like this is this doesn't seem like it should be a crazy thing, right? Like, it's okay to social distance and wear your mask and do stuff. Like, that's what we need to be doing. Uh, and if we as Americans continue to do that, then we're going to be able to push through this and we're going to be able to get out of this. So, next story is story two. Biden talks about abortion. So, this actually came out of a town hall that uh, Biden did with MSNBC and Lester Holt a few days ago. Uh, Biden gets asked a question by a young woman, um, basically bringing up abortion and talking about Amy Coney Barrett. And Biden comes out and says that when slash if Amy Coney Barrett gets nominated and then confirmed to the Supreme Court, uh, that she will likely be the tipping point to overturning Roe versus Wade. And the lady asked, if that does happen, what are you, Joe Biden, going to do in order to be able to protect women's rights? So let's go ahead and hop into this video and take a look now. I knew whenever I was graduating high school and entering college that I wanted to obtain my degree and start a career before starting a family. Having access to birth control and safe reproductive health care was imperative in making that um, true for me. So um, considering the new Supreme Court nomination of Amy um, Coney Barrett, what are your particular plans to protect women's reproductive rights in the U.S.? Number one, we don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. So right there you see he said, um, obviously we don't know exactly how she'll rule, but the consensus is she will likely move to overturn Roe. And if that happens, we need to make Roe the law of the land. Referring to the 1973 uh, Supreme Court case, Roe versus Wade. Um, so this is a huge talking point on the left. This is a very, very, very big concern of a lot of people on the left side of the aisle and a lot of moderates as well, that uh, there are going to be there's going to be an overwhelming amount of very far right conservative judges on the Supreme Court. And they're going to go back and totally reconfigure Supreme Court precedent on gay marriage or abortion rights. Now, I've made perfectly clear my opinion on this, that I don't think that that is going to happen. I don't think that Roe versus Wade has any opportunity of overturning at all. Now, I do think that there could be other, uh, I guess, other cases that come up and get taken up to the Supreme Court about abortion rights. There was one that actually came up just this past year. It was shot down in a 5-4 decision uh, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the on sitting for the case as well. So now, you know, there's a bunch of people on the left side of the aisle that are saying if another case like that one that came up out of, I believe it was out of Louisiana, um, came up, it would significantly dismantle abortion rights throughout the entire country. And a lot of what we, you know, this huge fundamental thing that we hold dear in women's rights and in the women's ability to choose for abortion uh, is going to be taken away or dismantled because of Amy Coney Barrett. Now, Joe Biden's response here was, if that happens, then what we're going to have to do is pass legislation. This is beautiful, 
right here. This is a, this is the exact response that every politician should have to something like this. Okay, and l- I'll tell you why. This is a perfect example of the founding fathers knowing exactly what they're doing. Okay, abortion is an issue that should be dealt with by legislation. The whole reason why it was not dealt with by legislation in the first place was because it was very, very difficult to get passed through legislation. So the Democrats wanted to be able to have a Supreme Court that was primarily uh, left-leaning or primarily liberal to be able to get a lot of the social issues that they want passed, all right? So this looks like Roe versus Wade. This looks like uh, gay marriage being uh, passed in Oberfeld a couple, uh, couple years ago, I believe in 2015. Um, and that's not to say that the Democrats are doing anything that's constitutionally wrong, right? Like the Democrats are using the Supreme court in the exact way that they can. And if they want to use the Supreme court that way, then that's what they'll do, right? If they want to be able to get specific social things changed in the United States, then by putting people on the Supreme court that are more left leaning and then eventually getting cases up to the Supreme court so that eventually policy is prescribed through the Supreme Court, then constitutionally, they're not doing anything wrong. Now, it's a little bit of like backdoor politics, and a lot of Republicans have had a lot of problems with this over the past 30 to 40 years. As a result, you're starting to see a lot more emphasis on the Republican side and on the Democratic side of the aisle, both pushing for the Supreme Court uh, to either be packed or to be packed at least with the judges that you want on the court, right? If you're a Republican, you want conservatives. If you're a Democrat, you want liberals because you want them to be able to push or maintain policy that you already have in place, okay? So with that having been said, the Democrats are now kind of going back a little bit and saying, all right, well, our strategy for a little while has been to have you know, more liberal justice, more liberal left-leaning justices on the Supreme Court, because that's how a lot of social changes have, we've been able to get to be passed, right? Well, the Republicans are now in some ways kind of beating them at their own game. So Joe Biden says, well, fine then. If we can't get stuff done through the, ju- through the judicial branch, we'll get it done through the legislative branch. It's almost like all of these checks and balances that the founding fathers put into the system of our government are working perfectly. The whole reason why the Supreme Court is there is because you, you know, don't want necessarily uh, the majority of the country to be able to elect uh, officials that would be deciding anything and everything in terms of its constitutionality. This is also why the Senate is the one that uh, approves or confirms uh, justices that are going on to the Supreme Court. The Founding Fathers didn't want a simple majority in the country to be able to decide every single thing that happens. There has to be a balance of power. So if uh, Democrats want for, you know, for abortion to be completely federally legalized, to be funded by the federal government, then what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to do it the old fashioned way, quote unquote, right? Like they're going to have to go and actually legislate it. They're going to have to have people that are elected into office that want to be able to have abortion free and legal for every single person in the United States or have at least for women's rights to choose whether or not they want an open abortion. And they're going to have to have people that are elected in that that's their opinion and that's what they want to legislate. And that's what they're going to have to push for. Okay. And, uh, I think at the end of the day, what this kind of shows is that like 
that's kind of the proper answer. You know, if the majority of people, which the Democrats claim frequently, and I, I do believe that it actually is true that the majority of the country um, is does want abortion rights for women. I don't think that abortion should be completely um, criminalized or that abortion should be illegal. Um, if that actually is true, if the majority of people do hold that opinion, then they're going to elect officials that will then legislate in that way. Um, this is just how the process works, and this is how the government was designed very, very specifically. So um, at the end of the day, I, I think a lot of this you know, should be pushed in the legislative branch. It shouldn't be pushed in the judicial branch. So... I guess this answers uh, a little bit of the question um, that everyone sort of has, right? It's like abortion always gets brought up as an issue as, all right, well, this is an issue that I have that I, I would never be able to vote Republican because of abortion or I'd never be able to vote Democrat because of abortion. On Split the Difference podcast, obviously you guys look at left and the right side of the aisle, but how can you possibly find a middle ground for this? What kind of solutions are there? Well, um, the obvious answer is to actually go out and vote based upon what it is that you believe. I know that sounds totally obvious. I know that, that seems like it's a non-answer, but it is an answer. If this is a, a question or if this is a topic that you are specifically impassioned about or that a lot of people are impassioned about, then go and vote, especially on local officials, on state officials, and then eventually on federal officials that will be in and legislate the way that you want. If you are for abortion, then obviously vote for people that you feel like are going to legislate or going to maintain the abortion laws that we have now. If you are against abortion, then do the opposite, okay? Other answers require using, I guess, your resources and a little bit of thinking outside the box in order to be able to care for your community. So, Sometimes coming to the middle doesn't mean uh, it always has to have a specific policy prescription or you have to vote a specific person in. Sometimes meeting in the middle is going and working to uh, provide for your community in a way that both sides can absolutely agree on, okay? If you believe that abortion is wrong, then go and help young women that you feel like they, or that, or that young women that feel like they don't have a choice but to abort a child. Help those women. Provide for those women in your community that feel like they don't have a choice but to abort a child. Um, adopt children. Foster children. There are orphanages filled with children that have already been born that don't have any opportunity or don't have anybody that cares for them and loves them well. Stand up for what you believe. That's a good thing. You know, use your resources and your time and your effort to be able to go and support people that need your support if you believe that abortion is wrong. On the same token, or I guess on the flip side of the coin there, if you think that a, an abortion is a woman's choice and shouldn't be taken away, then donate to causes that help with counseling women that have just recently gone through an abortion or uh, uh Try to start a nonprofit that maybe helps with sex education with children of young ages to be able to prevent uh, abortions from happening and be able to give resources to young children to be able to help them before they even get into this situation. So there are obvious answers that both sides can agree on. Both sides agree that helping the people that are struggling through the decision of whether or not to have an abortion is good. You want to help the people that are struggling through that. Doesn't matter if you're left, doesn't matter if you're right. Your goal is obviously for less people to be hurting and for your community to be able to thrive. Although you may not agree with what the other side of the aisle says, 
you can go and vote for what it is that you believe is correct and use your time and resources to be able to help uh, the community that you live in uh, to come together better and to be able to help those that need help more than anything. This last story is story three. It is the Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell came out and said that he warns of, quote, tragic consequences if more stimulus isn't given to the economy. So he lauded the CARES Act and the $3 trillion that was uh, provided by Congress from the federal government to the American people, small businesses, corporations, came out and basically said, this was a great idea. This was a good thing. We need more of it. And if we don't, there's going to be some pretty bad things that happen to the American economy. So Jerome Powell, very generally liked by the majority of politicians. He's kind of really bipartisan support. The only person that doesn't seem to love Jerome Powell is Donald Trump, unless Jerome Powell is doing what Donald Trump wants. And then Donald Trump does says, does say that he likes him. But uh, that's pretty standard, I think, for Donald Trump and his relationship with a lot of people in politics. But uh, Powell came out and said that he's somewhat disappointed and how the Republicans and Democrats are still at a standstill with passing any sort of stimulus or help for the American people. He also said that at this point, both sides of the aisle are trying to shift blame to the other side because neither of them really want to be held responsible for things. Absolutely true. Jerome Powell, like, Get in the back of the line. All of us are sitting around wondering what people in Congress are doing right now. 100%. Join the club, man. Uh, he cited two main things, though. So uh, what basically what could happen if there's not more stimulus. The first is uh, much slower progress out of the recession because of how hard the service sector was hit. So within the United States, uh, our economy is built now primarily on the service sector. It's a, the largest sector of the economy. It used to be or at least one of the largest sectors of the economy, used to be manufacturing. The United States used to be a huge manufacturing hub. We are no longer that. It's one of the reasons, I think, why you see Trump saying that he wants to pull manufacturing jobs back to the United States. A lot of manufacturing jobs have left, and uh, the GDP, I guess, right now is primarily being fueled by uh, the service sector. So it's the backbone of the American economy. Having the sector in the toilet for a long period of time is not a good thing. So uh, Jerome Powell is basically coming out and saying, if the coronavirus keeps up like this, we don't have any stimulus for the economy given to us by Congress. If things continue to be shut down, the service sector is going to continue getting slammed. So these are going to be like, you know, your restaurants, uh, any services in the community that you want, you know, a house cleaning or, uh, you know, whatever it may be, car service, auto mechanic, all of these are service industry things. So Second thing that he said we would experience is typical recessionary dynamics as weakness feeds on weakness. In other words, when you see uh, bad things happening in a recession or bad things happening within an economy, it sort of starts a little bit of a domino effect. So as one thing starts to deteriorate here, it causes weakness in other portions of the economy, which then deteriorate more and causes other deterioration in other places. The entirety of the United States economy is like this almost like a rubber band ball, right? Or like this really, really, really intertwined mesh of things. And as soon as you start pulling things away or weakening or breaking straps or breaking rubber bands, other parts of the economy start to fall apart a little bit. So he was highlighting yet again, the importance of being able to come across the aisle to be able to 
work together to be able to get through this impasse, right? Right now, the, both the Republicans and the Democrats are basically, I think, kind of just kicking back and wanting to be able to pass the blame off on the other side. It's being just kicking the ball back and forth between the Republican-run Senate and the Democratic-run House of Representatives. Neither of them really want to be able to take the blame for if something goes wrong, and they don't really, they don't feel like it's worth it to take the credit for things when when things go right. All right. So the key here is we we have to be voting in politicians that are willing to work together. Right. We have to be willing to be able to start at our local level and vote all the way up for politicians that we believe are going to be able to work with the other side. I know things are divisive. I know things can get rough. But if Congress right now is faced with a recession and faced with a weakened economy and faced with the pandemic, there has to be things that they can do to be able to reach across the aisle, to be able to find some sort of middle ground and be able to grow from there. If, you know, Jerome Powell is coming out and saying that there needs to be more stuff done, then there probably needs to be more stuff done. Now, I've given my opinion about whether or not I think that tons of stimulus needs to be given to large businesses and stuff. At this point, uh, people just people just need help, all right? And figuring out how to be able to get people help and also what the best, way it, best ways are to bolster the American economy back up, that's the job of the politicians that are in Washington right now. So Jerome Powell is pushing for a little bit of unity, at least a little bit of hand holding across the aisle right here to be able to get something done and get the economy back on its feet. So after all that, top three stories. I know it's a big day. We had a lot to talk about. Let's sit down and let's watch something that is just going to make you smile. And if this doesn't make you smile right here, then I'm telling you, I don't know what will. The, uh, this is, I guess, a little preface to this video. I saw this video online, totally cracked up. Uh, it's like just the most classic thing that you would see or remember from high school. It's hilarious. It is a kid beatboxing while uh, his teacher reads Dr. Seuss. So go ahead and uh, listen into this with me. Waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring or the snow to snow. So that honestly, I saw that and it just made my entire day. There needs to be more teachers like that. As soon as that kid started beatboxing, she just totally ran with it. The kids loved it. That's a great teacher. Honestly, we don't give our teachers nearly enough credit here in the United States uh, or really maybe just the world over. The teachers go through a lot. They work very, very hard to, uh, to obviously to educate our children. She's an awesome teacher. Whoever she is, keep up the good work. So with all that having been said, that is the show for you today. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope that you enjoyed it. hope that you are working alongside me to look at things on the left and look at things on the right. Try to find a little bit of that peace and that truth that's right there in the middle. We're working hard here with Split the Difference every single week to be able to do that. Uh, like I said before, I am on YouTube, so please look me up at Split the Difference on YouTube. 
Uh, check me out on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. Give me a like, give me a follow, give me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're watching. That goes a really, really long way as well. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, please send me a message. You know, find me on Instagram or YouTube or anywhere. Send me a message and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Um, appreciate you checking in. Remember, as always, do your best this week. Keep a level head when you're looking at all this stuff. Be reasonable and always split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.